Democrats have issued what I consider to be a veiled threat. Either Joe Biden wins in a landslide or violence will erupt across the country. Cities will burn and there will be a constitutional crisis. Not too long ago, it was reported in the Boston Globe and the New York Times about a war game. It was a scenario, several scenarios put on by Democrats and never Trumpers to try and predict what could go wrong this election. They basically said the only scenario where everything goes fine and there's no violence is if Joe Biden wins, which makes absolutely no sense. But now they've finally published their story. What's the worst that could happen? The election will likely spark violence and a constitutional crisis. My question is this. What control over the far left extremists does Joe Biden have? Why would Antifa and the far left extremists simply stop rioting and smashing things because Joe Biden won? I thought Joe Biden wasn't a radical socialist. I thought these people weren't Joe Biden supporters. Why would they stop rioting if Joe Biden won? Quite honestly, it makes absolutely no sense. Yet this is the narrative being pushed out by Democrat operatives and their allies in media. It's us or violence. Well, I will not be coerced and I don't take kindly to this narrative. You see, in this scenario, in, the, in this war game, they didn't bring on any Trump supporters. They brought in never Trumpers. They took the most insane approach to planning out what Trump would actually do. And they're trying to frame it like mail-in voting is perfect in every way. And therefore, anything that goes wrong is Trump's fault. But we have a lot of reasons to suspect to, to suspect that mail-in voting will lead to widespread chaos, uncertainty, inaccuracies, and voter fraud. In a recent interview on CNN, Bill Barr got pretty angry, saying straight up, you are playing with fire trying to change the rules right now. And let me make this clear as we move into this story. Dr. Burks and Dr. Fauci have both said voting in person is safe. You just need some simple procedures, normal, normal masks and social distancing, and we should be fine. But Democrats insist, and this is what we're going to get, more violence. I got a story about a 12-year-old attacked over a Trump sign. We've got stories of widespread violence. Let's go through what the Democrats are telling us they expect to happen. Because again, in my opinion, it's a veiled threat of vote for us or else. And that's kind of been what we've seen all along. But can I just say it one more time before we jump into the story? Do they control Antifa? And does the far left actively support Biden so they'll be appeased by his victory? Apparently so. Before we get started, head over to TimCast.com slash donate if you'd like to support my work. There's many ways you can give as a P.O. box. The best thing you can do is share this video. I don't have a big marketing department. I just have word of mouth. If you think I do a good job and what I'm saying is important, sharing this video is the best way to help. But also don't forget, hit the like button, the subscribe button and the notification bell. Let's read the news. The Washington Post. What's the worst that could happen? Rosa Brooks writes, we wanted to know what's the worst thing that could happen to our country during the presidential election. President Trump has broken countless norms and ignored countless laws during this time in office. And while my colleagues and I at the Transition Integrity Project didn't want to lie awake at night contemplating the ways the American experiment could fail, we realized that identifying the most serious risks to our democracy might be the best way to avert a November disaster. So we built a series of war games, sought out some of the most accomplished Republicans, Democrats, civil servants, media experts, pollsters, and strategists around, and asked them to imagine what they do in a range of election and transition scenarios. A landslide for Joe Biden resulted in a relatively orderly transfer of power. 
Every other scenario we looked at involved street level violence, political crisis. And I want to point one thing out before we start reading their scenarios. Why would it be Donald Trump giving a orderly transfer of power, but not the other way around? They are telling us outright this is a threat. In the scenario where Donald Trump wins, they refuse to concede. Yet why would other members of the media claim it's Trump who would refuse to concede? Hillary Clinton said Joe Biden should not concede under any circumstances. We know exactly what's happening. They are threatening us unless we give them a clean transfer of power. Picture this, she writes. On the morning of Election Day, false stories appear online claiming that Biden has been hospitalized with a life-threatening heart attack. The election has been delayed. Every mainstream news organization reports that the rumors are unfounded, but many Biden supporters, confused by the bogus claims, stay home. Still, by late the night, late that night, most major networks have called the election for Biden. The former vice president has won key states and has a slender lead in the national popular vote, and polling experts predict that this lead, that his lead, will grow substantially. As Western states count an unusually high number of mail-in ballots, the Electoral College looks secure for Biden, too. But Trump refuses to concede, alleging on Twitter that millions of illegal aliens and dead people have voted in large numbers and that the uncounted ballots are all fake votes. Social media fills with posts from Trump supporters alleging that the election has been stolen in a deep state coup. And Trump-friendly pundits on Fox News and OAN echo this message. Soon, Attorney General William P. Barr opens an investigation into unsubstantiated allegations of massive vote by mail fraud and ties between Democratic officials and Antifa in Michigan and Wisconsin, where Biden has won the official vote and Democratic governors have certified slates of pro-Biden electors. The Trump campaign persuades Republican controlled legislatures to send rival pro-Trump slates to Congress for the Electoral College vote. This is this is the narrative unsubstantiated. They say that mail-in voting is secure. It's fine. Interestingly, Bill Barr recently spoke to Wolf Blitzer and he said there is a bipartisan review from 2005 that found absentee ballots have potential for fraud, the highest. Yet they keep conflating mail-in voting with absentee. Let me just help you out here. You request an absentee ballot. We know who's getting them. Mail-in ballots will go to anyone and everyone registered, which includes dead people, It includes people who no longer live at these addresses, and it might mean that you won't even get your ballot. When Reuters reported on what Bill Barr said, they left out his explanation of absentee ballots and simply injected the line, mail-in voting is normal and safe. That's the trick. They don't want you to know. Well, those of you who are watching videos like mine, you do. And that's part of the reason why I ask you to share. Hopefully, what I'm about to show, all the evidence is enough. Let's keep reading. They say the next week is chaotic. A list of Michigan and Wisconsin electors for Biden circulates on right-wing social media, including photos, home addresses, and false claims that scores of them are in the pay of billionaire George Soros or have been linked to child trafficking rings. Massive pro-Biden street protests begin. Pro-Biden street protests. That's interesting. I thought what we've seen so far with the violence and the rioting wasn't pro-Biden. I thought the Black Lives Matter extremists pro-looting who came out in Chicago weren't actually supporters of Joe Biden. That's what the Democrats have been saying. So what are they saying now? Are they saying that when Biden wins, Antifa will find no reason to go riot and burn things down? I think they're making it clear for us 
These people going out and protesting, they're far left, but they are Biden supporters because apparently they'll get what they want from Biden. He'll give in and he's already starting to cut deals with far left extremists who would burn down your store for political gain. Do we want a president who would negotiate with terrorists? I wouldn't. They say, meanwhile, Trump declares that unless this carnage ends, he will invoke the Insurrection Act and send our incredibly powerful military and their ominous weapons into the streets to teach these anti-American terrorists a lesson. At the Pentagon, the Joint Chiefs of Staff convene a hurried meeting to discuss the crisis, and it's not even Thanksgiving yet. That dystopia is based on how events played out in one of the Transition Integrity Project exercises. We explored the four scenarios experts consider most likely. A narrow Biden win, a big Biden win, with a decisive lead in both the electoral and popular vote, a Trump win with an electoral college lead, but a large popular vote loss, as in 2016. And finally, a period of, of extended uncertainty, as we saw in the 2000 election. With the exception of the big Biden win, each of our exercises reached the brink of catastrophe with massive disinformation campaigns, violence in the streets and a constitutional impasse. In two scenarios, Trump win and extended uncertainty, there was still no agreement on the winner by Inauguration Day and no consensus on which candidate should be assumed to have the ability to issue binding commands to the military or receive the nuclear codes. In the narrow Biden win scenario, Trump refused to leave office and was ultimately escorted out by the Secret Service, but only after pardoning himself and his family and burning incriminating documents. For obvious reasons, we couldn't ask Trump or Biden or their campaign aides. This is where they come in and tell us there were no pro-Trump individuals in this war game. What I find fascinating is that they have straight up told us if Trump wins, we will not concede. Only if Biden wins will they expect Trump to hand over power. This is saying the quiet part loud. How long were they complaining that Trump will not concede, that even if Trump loses, he'll fight? He won't accept the results of the election. But they're telling us they actually expect Trump to. They expect if they win, Trump will peacefully transfer over power. Amazing, isn't it? Yet in public, they don't say that. In each scenario, Team Trump, the players assigned to simulate the Trump campaign, was ruthless and unconstrained. And Team Biden struggled to get out of reaction mode. In every exercise, both teams sought to mobilize their supporters to take to the streets. Team Biden repeatedly called for peaceful protests, while Team Trump encouraged provocateurs to incite violence. How many Trump, uh, Trump supporters have been going around smashing up windows and burning down buildings? Sorry, apparently that's your supporters, Joe Biden. They go on to mention, Team Trump repeatedly attempted to exploit ambiguities and gaps in legal framework. They repeatedly sought, for instance, to persuade state GOP allies to send rival slates of electors to Congress when the popular vote didn't go his way. With competing slates heading to Washington for the January 6th joint session of Congress that formally counts the electoral votes, Trump supporters argued that Vice President Pence, in his capacity as president of the, of the Senate, had the power to decide which electors to recognize. In contrast, Democrats argued the House had the constitutional authority to choose which electors would be accepted in the event of a deadlock, or alternatively, the ability to prevent the joint session from taking place at all. In the Trump win scenario, desperate Democrats stunned by yet another election won by the candidate with fewer votes after credible claims of foreign interference and voter suppression also sought to send rival slates of electors to Congress. They even floated the idea of encouraging secessionist movements in California and the Pacific Northwest 
unless GOP congressional leaders agreed to a series of reforms. And boy, howdy, is that a stunning admission. They want to send rival electors and they are floating the idea of secession if Trump won over concerns of foreign interference. Was there Russian collusion? No. Do Democrats persist in pushing an unhinged conspiracy theory? Yes. Are they telling us that in the event Trump wins again, like in 2016, they will use that as a pretext to push for a secessionist movement? Yes. Now, isn't that insane? Are there Trump supporters calling for this? Maybe in, you know, maybe jokingly talking about, you know, the the yes referendum or whatever it was in California, where California wanted to become their own country. Maybe some people are serious, to be honest. But this to me is a stunning admission, and it's quite incredible. Making demands, otherwise they will attempt to secede from the union. Well, let me tell you something. The, the war games here had the desired effect. I'd like to show you a tweet from Jesse Single. Jesse is a, a pretty good journalist. I think he does great work. He tweeted, had dinner with my uncle and aunt last night and said the exact same thing. Landslide Biden win is the only scenario that doesn't scare the hell out of me. The election will likely spark violence in a constitutional crisis. That's the goal. I've talked to friends and family members, and they've said similarly that they're worried about what the left will do if Trump wins. That's terrorism. I'm not even I'm not even exaggerating. Now, Joe Biden's not coming out and threatening violence. But this, to me, is a published public Washington Post veiled threat. The only scenario where you will be safe is when you give us power. Well, I would rather die on my feet than live on my knees. I will vote for who I deem the right choice. And I will not be threatened. Now, of course, it's my opinion. I think their intent is to scare people into supporting them. But I'm sorry. I don't know if it's I don't I don't I don't necessarily think it will work for the most part. There are certainly some people that are scared. But let me tell you, the past several months has been the far left burning things down and their threat. We get the implied threat. You've seen it over three months. People are dead. Maybe this is why a far leftist walked up to a Trump supporter, called him out and then shot him twice in the chest in Portland to make sure you know Either they get what they want or else. I'm not so convinced. I think it's just a threat. And I think if Trump wants to and if Trump wins, he will shut this down. And that's why I'm voting for Trump because of these threats, because I will not be coerced. Now, there are some people who believe that Trump is inciting this on purpose so he he can be the solution. But what? You've heard it from you've heard it from them. The only scenario where the violence stops is when Biden wins. What does that mean? You, does that mean if Trump loses, he won't incite violence? Why not? I thought he was the one causing it all. Oh, what's that? Trump doesn't control Antifa. If Trump wanted to, he could shut it down. But he's keeping his hand steady. They've deputized state police in Oregon, and they're arresting people. 14,000 arrests since the start of the riots. And I am confident that after this election, perhaps if Republicans sweep across the board and shut down what the Democrats have been doing, Trump can come in with better strategy, deputize more state police and finally stop the violence. Trump could do so now, in, in fact. So maybe he should. But I, I'll tell you what, he's literally doing it in, in, in Oregon right now. I think we are in an extremely dangerous point 
where perhaps it is not a good idea to invoke the Insurrection Act. They argue that Trump might want to do it. If Trump invoked the Insurrection Act and sent the military into Portland, it would be they would be going in like an occupying force. The local government would resist. The police would be constrained and there would be no support. The far left would attack them and it would actually, in my opinion, spark the hot civil war. We don't want that to happen. Trump is right to have the DHS deputize Oregon State Police. So it remains local arrests, but the feds can prosecute. I think Trump is doing a good job of telling them no to their violence. They want to argue that Trump is starting the violence. Sorry, I think he's actually the one who's been trying to stop it. And it's absurd to suggest otherwise. Bill Barr called out mail-in voting saying you're playing with fire. People trying to change the rules to this methodology is reckless, Barr said. Attorney is from Fox News. Attorney General William Barr said on Wednesday that people who are trying to change the rules of voting methodology ahead of November are playing with fire. In an interview with Wolf Blitzer, the host pointed out to Barr that several states, Colorado, Hawaii, Oregon, Utah, and Washington already vote primarily by mail. This is playing with fire, Barr said. We're a very closely divided country here. And people have to have confidence in the legitimacy of government. And people trying to change the rules to this methodology, which as a matter of logic is very open to fraud and coercion, is reckless and dangerous. And people are playing with fire. Barr cited a 2005 report from the Commission on Election Reform, chaired by former President Jimmy Carter and former Secretary of State James Baker, who wrote that vote by mail is likely to increase the risks of fraud and of contested elections in some states. Blitzer pushed back, saying, but since then, there have been a lot of investigations that haven't proved it. No, let me talk, Barr replied. Blitzer later posited that there has not been widespread fraud, but Barr countered, we haven't had the kind of widespread use of mail-in ballots that's being proposed. President Trump and Barr say they approve of absentee ballots, but oppose mail-in ballots being sent to every registered voter in the race. Those in favor of mail-in voting say it is the safer option and are calling on Congress to provide more aid to the nearly bankrupt U.S. Postal Service. Those against mail-in voting, including Trump, have expressed concern with the potential for fraud and the ability of USPS to safely deliver hundreds of millions of ballots. I've got a bigger fear. What happens when fake ballots are sent out? CNN, Iowa judge voids 50,000 absentee ballot applications, uh, prompting county to send new forms. I am continually impressed by the ability of the media to accurately report circumstances like this. Apparently, ballot applications were sent out that were pre-filled. It's against the rules. They were thrown out. What happens if someone, maybe foreign interference, hey, the Democrats have been crying about it for some time. How hard would it be for China to print up some fake ballots, mail them out to as many people as possible? They've hacked databases before. They probably know all our names and addresses. Imagine this. One day you walk to your mailbox, or if your mailbox on your house, you go out and take your mailbox in. Take your mail in. Actually, in Chicago, our mailbox had a shoot that went straight into the house. So let's say you get a mail-in ballot. Looks good to you. You open it up. You fill it out. Everything looks fine. The numbers on it are fine. And you mail it in. Then it turns out your vote isn't counted. And you don't know why. Turns out the mail-in ballot you received was fake. Someone, for some reason, tricked you. And now your vote will not be counted because you believed the vote was yours. You have no certification the ballot was real. This is logic and common sense. And in Iowa, they had to, they had to nullify ballot applications that were pre-filled. I received a, a mail-in ballot to my house. 
I did not ask for it. It was not certified. I don't even know if it's real or not. It wasn't for me and it wasn't for anybody who lives here. What am I supposed to do about that? There's no chain of custody. The Postal Workers Union endorsed Joe Biden. Would you give your vote if you're let's say you're a, you're a Biden voter? Would you give your vote to a Trump supporter showing up at your house wearing a MAGA hat? No, of course not. So why should a Trump voter give their vote to somebody who works at the post office whose union endorsed Biden? It is completely broken. And this is my fear. The, the, the likelihood of fraud, in my opinion, is extremely high. Yet the media just loves to keep saying over and over again that voting by mail is not new in the U.S., says Reuters. Nearly one in four votes are cast, you know, uh, by, in that way. Experts say voter fraud of any kind is exceedingly rare. We've never done universal mail-in voting. It's not the same as absentee. I have a question. If, we, if it is normal, here's what they said. One in four votes in the presidential ballots has been done this way. Okay. Right now, they're saying that there's going to be a red mirage. On election night, it will appear that Trump wins in a landslide. But over the next few weeks, votes will come in for Biden and Biden will ultimately win. And therefore, we can't call the results on election night if Trump wins. Now, if Biden wins, they'll call it. I'm not kidding. That's what they're saying. The Washington Post story straight up said, if Biden wins election night, mail-in votes will likely just confirm his victory and we're done. If Trump wins, we'll have to wait. We'll have to wait and see because the mail-in votes will flip it in their favor. If it's true that Democrats tend to vote by mail, Republicans don't. If it's true that this is normal, that we vote by mail, then why is it not true? Why isn't it the case that in 2016, we didn't wait to see the results? We called it on election night in 2016, 2012, 2008, 2004, not 2000, mind you. It was essentially called on election night and the rival conceded. So why this one time do we have to say, whoa, whoa, we better wait. Now you might be saying, well, it's because of the amount of mail-in votes, perhaps. But in 2016, Trump won some states by only a few thousand. If mail-in voting is normal, Shouldn't we have waited just to be sure? Maybe the fault is Hillary Clinton. I don't know. I personally think the whole thing is strange. And I would not be surprised if what we end up seeing come election night is very similar to 2018. There are right now conservatives arguing that the Republicans did win in 2018 in the midterms. And it's true in California, for instance, most Republicans won their seats. And then within a few days to a week, mail-in votes were discovered, started getting counted, and they all flipped Democrat. And then almost immediately, the Democrats moved to impeach Donald Trump once they had the House. Now, I, I have no evidence to suggest it's fraudulent or anything like that. Some people are saying this ballot harvesting, that they started going house to house and collecting ballots. And, and who knows if that's secure? Maybe. I don't like the idea that voting can be insecure as it is. I don't like the idea of mail-in voting because the New York Times already said in 2012, more absentee ballots means more fraud, more inaccuracies, the very least. They keep saying there's no evidence of widespread voter fraud. Look at this. Experts say voter fraud of any kind is exceedingly rare. But what about voter inaccuracy? What about people not knowing how to fill out a ballot? What about ballots getting lost in the mail? That's not fraud. That's just inaccuracy and mistakes. That's the reality. I won't be threatened. If there's going to be more violence because the far left is psychotic, then so be it. And then Donald Trump can shut down the violence when he wins. But to come to me 
and keep pushing this narrative. The violence is actually Trump's fault. No, I'm not going to have it. They keep saying that they blamed the law enforcement in Portland for trying to stop the violence for the violence. They said it was it was the Trump sent in police. Therefore, he made the violence worse. What happened when the feds pulled back? The violence persisted to this day. Ninety seven nights of unrest. I thought it was going to stop. I thought Trump was doing it. He's not. Ah, He was actually stopping these people. The feds are actually prosecuting these people. So you know what? No, no. Thank you to Joe Biden, the man who has essentially promised us, or I should say the Democrats promise us that Joe Biden will capitulate to the whims of the extremists who would burn down our cities in an effort to win the election. And then if he does win, they'll accept this appeasement and stop burning down our cities. And then we can get on with our lives. Remember when Joe Biden tweeted this? Or I shouldn't say remember, but Joe Biden tweeted this recently. Don't you want to go back to the days when you didn't have to think about the president every day? I, for one, know I'd like people to be politically active and pay attention to what's going on. But you mean to tell me that the, ex- the extortion now is if you don't vote for me, we won't shut up. You know what? I'm somebody who particularly hates being threatened in any way, whether it's veiled, whether it's tacit, whether it's implied, whatever, telling me vote for Biden in a landslide. Otherwise, the violence persists. I say, you know what? Nah, just for that, I'll go vote Trump. How dare you threaten me in any way? That's ridiculous. Now, of course, let me make it clear. It's not coming from Joe Biden. It's coming from Democratic operatives and never Trumpers saying, oh, gee, look, if if Trump wins, we won't concede. We'll push for secession. I'm not okay with that. But hey, man, you guys do what you want to do. I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to walk in that voting booth and say no to the critical race theorists, the far left insurrectionists and the left wing identitarians and their cronies who would give them what they want. That's what I'm going to do. I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up at youtube.com slash timcastnews at 6 p.m. Thanks for hanging out, and I will see you all then. Of course, last night there was more protesting across the country in Portland, and we saw protesting erupt in upstate New York over a video from March of a guy being a guy dying in police custody. There's a lot of more information that has to come out around there, but for the most part, it does seem like that protest was peaceful. I think at this point, I can only do opening morning segments, rolling my eyes and saying, yeah, 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 we get it. There's riots before I we just got to talk about the bigger picture. And last night, Donald Trump announced that he wanted to defund anarchist jurisdictions. So you may have heard about this. We did talk about it in the IRL podcast, but there's an update. Governor Cuomo has issued a veiled mafioso like threat saying Trump better have an army to protect him if he comes to NYC. A lot of people are wondering why it is that Donald Trump doesn't just deploy the National Guard, invoke the Insurrection Act and march on in and shut these riots down. A lot of people are saying if Trump won't do this, then it really is his America, because even if the Democrats aren't willing to do their jobs, Trump could invoke the Insurrection Act and shut it all down. Well, I actually have an article that talks about that. This is from Town Hall, why Trump doesn't just send in the troops. So let's talk about what Trump wants to do with these cities and Cuomo's response. And I want to show you a a really good argument as to why Trump should not invoke the Insurrection Act. And Cuomo is all the proof we need. I'll give you the gist of it. Imagine if Trump deployed 
federal troops, military into New York when Cuomo is sending him threats? What would it be like for the people in that city? What would it be like for the for the uh, the military or the individuals going in to ensure the riots stop? If they're being opposed by all of the institutions of that jurisdiction, it would look more like an invasion and it would just be more chaos. Trump, when, when you invoke the Insurrection Act, presumably, or at least in the past, it's with the assistance of local authorities to try and get a handle on chaos. But when Democrats are openly revolting against Trump, what can you do about it? That's a dangerous divide for this country. And maybe I won't go as uh, go, won't go so far, say those two awful, I'll just say it. I mean, civil war. I mean, what do you think happens when the governor of New York says Trump better have an army to protect him? Trump's the president. If he wants to go to New York, he can go to New York. He doesn't need the governor saying that to him. I'll go through this, just uh, uh, the, the Trump story on defunding these cities quickly, just to give you the context and then give you the update. The New York Post says Trump orders review to defund NYC other anarchist cities. President Trump is ordering the federal government to begin the process of defunding New York City and three other cities where officials allowed lawless protests and cut police budgets amid rising violent crime, the Post can exclusively reveal. Trump on Wednesday signed a five-page memo ordering all federal agencies to send reports to the White House Office of Management and Budget that detail funds that can be redirected. New York City, Washington, D.C., Seattle, and Portland are initial targets as Trump makes law and order a centerpiece of his re-election campaign after months of unrest and violence following the May killing of George Floyd by Minnesota police. My administration will not allow federal tax dollars to fund cities that allow themselves to deteriorate into lawless zones, Trump says in the memo, which twice mentions New York Mayor Bill de Blasio by name. To ensure that federal funds are neither unduly wasted nor spent in a manner that directly violates our government's promise to protect life, liberty, and property, it is imperative that the federal government review the use of federal funds by jurisdictions that permit anarchy, violence, and destruction in America's cities. Federal agencies must de- detail all federal funds provided to Seattle, Portland, New York, and D.C. Within f- and also within 14 days. Attorney General Bill Barr must develop a list of anarchist jurisdictions that permitted violence and the destruction of property to persist and have refused to undertake reasonable measures to restore order. The memo does not require Barr to include the four cities, possibly for legal reasons. The memo instructs White House Budget Director Russ Vaught to issue guidance in 30 days from Wednesday to the heads of agencies on restricting eligibility of or otherwise disfavoring, to the maximum extent permitted by law, anarchist jurisdictions in the receipt of federal grants. We did did go over this on the IRL podcast last last night, so I don't want to rehash too much. We'll have a segment on that uh, up, up later. We have development here. Governor Cuomo, Trump better have an army to protect him if he comes to NYC. The seeds are being planted for civil war. And I, I, I know people, I just, a lot of people don't like hearing it. I, I, I don't know what to tell you, man. Can you just, to, the, to those that doubt this, just think about the trajectory we are on. Mass civil unrest in many cities across this country. No, it's not hundreds of thousands of people burning their cities down because that's not typically what mass civil unrest looks like. Like I mentioned in Egypt, the revolution was several thousand people in Tahrir Square, yet the military still came in and removed the government and assumed power. Our military is saying they're not going to get involved in that. But think about the conflict between Trump supporters, Antifa, far leftists, violence in the streets, 
And now we have the story out of Portland, which most of you probably know by now of a Trump supporter being executed. The latest development from that is apparently the man was near his home. The guy in Portland wasn't from out of town. He was apparently walking near his own home when he was targeted in what appeared to have been far leftists on the prowl looking for Trump supporters to kill. You think about that escalation. Now the Proud Boys say they're going to be coming up to Portland on the 24th or 26th, which is a recipe for for chaos, in my opinion. Granted, I understand people have right to peacefully assemble, but I think Antifa will take advantage and it's going to be conflict. Now you take take this into consideration. The states have been actively opposing and rejecting and resisting assistance from the federal government while their cities burn. They would rather watch their own cities burn to the ground before giving anything to Donald Trump. They hate Trump so much. They want you to pay. They want you to suffer. They want to watch your home attacked. When, when these Antifa people and these far left Black Lives Matter people march through residential neighborhoods screaming, wake up, mother effer, wake up, no justice, no sleep, threatening to burn down residential buildings, then actually going to a condo and, and setting, throwing flaming debris into the first floor, cementing police stations shut. These people are trying to kill. They're doing it in such a way that it do, it's, it's, it's hard to say it's intentional. And, and, and look, I know a lot of people are saying, of course, they're intentionally doing it, Tim. What I'm saying is the guy in Portland pulled out a gun, bang, bang. They were hunting for people. They said, we got them right here. We got a couple right here. Most people assume, what does that mean? They were looking for people. The guy who got killed was near his home. That's the extent to which this insanity is occurring. The governments of these, of these cities and states could stop it. They could come in and shut it down. They won't. The DA in Portland's like, yeah, you know, whatever. They still haven't arrested the guy. He's being investigated. We'll see. We don't know if he did it innocent until proven guilty. I'll give you that. So Donald Trump could come in. But these governors, these mayors are sitting back and watching the suffering of their own residents. They don't care. You know why? Because they don't want to have, they don't want to have to admit Trump was right. Now here comes the administrative escalation. We've seen physical escalation. This what Trump is doing, administrative escalation. Both we have, we we have a clear two sides to this. We have clear disdain for the federal government because they just hate Trump irrationally. They've lost it. But where does this escalation go? Both sides are put between a rock and a hard place. Donald Trump is being blamed for the violence, yet he's offered up federal assistance every step of the way. The governors, the mayors say, F you. They rather watch their cities burn. And then Joe Biden comes out and says, that's Trump's fault, isn't it? So Trump says, I'll tell you what, we will take away your funding because you will not police your streets. You want to blame me? Why are we giving you money? What do we get in Staten Island? One of the one of the moderate Democrats who claimed they were going to fight for kitchen table issues and then immediately voted to, to impeach Trump says Trump is just defunding the police by doing this. Well, well, so what? New York wants to defund the police. Why should I care if Trump agrees with them? Right. You wanted this, didn't you? You wanted to defund the police. Oh, but this guy, he's like, well, it was wrong to defund the police. Yeah, yeah. New York City stripped a billion dollars from their police and got rid of their plainclothes unit and and and. Uh, I guess they stopped. They were, they were going to hire about 1,163 officers and then said, no, nope, we're not going to do that now. There you go. Now, now shootings are on the rise. Murder is on the rise. There's a big crime of lethal crime spike. Petty crimes down. That's, that's, a, that's true. So what happens? 
there is an administrative escalation occurring where California, Oregon and Washington have already, according to these stories from the Boston Globe and the New York Times and, and many other outlets on the ver- uh, would, would prefer to secede from the union than allow Trump to be president again. In these war games, John Podesta was playing Joe Biden and he said the party will not allow me to concede. So he demanded several states send in pro Biden electors, even though the states were for Trump. And then apparently, you know, in some of these uh, some of this reporting, he encouraged West Coast to to secede. They were they were ready to dip out. That could just be hyperbole, I suppose. But these are all grains of sand that will eventually make up a heap. They are straws being placed on the camel's back and eventually the camel's back will break. It's already hard enough for the camel to bear the amount of straw we've placed on his back. Now, with Trump saying we're going to take away your funding. Is it a good idea? Is it a bad idea? I don't know what what should Trump do if he can't send in, if he can't invoke the, you know, the, the Insurrection Act and actually actually deal with this? How can he make them actually enforce the law? Here's what Cuomo said. New York Governor Cuomo on Wednesday all but threatened President Trump's safety if he returns to New York in a rant responding to an exclusive story by The Post that Trump is looking to pull federal funds from lawless cities. Cuomo called an emergency press briefing within half within half an hour on Wednesday to tear into Trump for the order, which cites New York's rising murder rate and defunding the NYPD. Quote, he better have an army if he thinks he's going to walk down the street in New York. New Yorkers don't want to have anything to do with him, the Democrats said, all but threatening the commander in chief. But Cuomo, who like Trump hails from Queens, wasn't done. He can't have enough bodyguards to walk through New York City. People don't want to have anything to do with him. That's a threat. I get it. You know, the, the veiled game mafioso like threat is, hey, man, it would be a shame if somebody came out and, you know, hurt the president. huh? We know what he's saying. Sure. There's probably a lot of New Yorkers who like to, you know, burn, loot and murder who would come out and be very, very upset with the president. But the president's standard security detail is good enough, I'd imagine. And I don't think he'd have a problem going through New York City. I don't think he'd need an army. What is Cuomo trying to say here? Rhetoric is is intensifying across the board. And if you don't think that we're on the verge of something explosive, then I just feel like you haven't been paying attention. And I get a lot of people like to say, Tim's catastrophizing. Oh, yeah, whatever, man. I could be wrong. I absolutely admit that. I, I, you know, there's there's a weird uh, it's, a, it's a weird situation that I find myself in as somebody who just turned a camera on one day and started complaining about his feelings on the Internet to now have so many people watching and much respect to all of you. I, I'm sincerely grateful. And now I have people acting as though I mean, I guess I guess with with large viewership comes great responsibility. But I'll tell you this. I'm not going to sit. I'm not going to change my opinions. I'm not going to pretend like this isn't happening before our eyes simply because more people decide to watch and hear what I have to say. I, like many other people, am just a dude reading things on the Internet and talking about how I feel about them. But I do this for a living. I read the news all day, every day, and I'm telling you what I'm seeing right now. At the administrative level, we have states telling Trump, F you. We had the attorney general in Oregon sue on behalf of the rioters who were beating people and trying to burn down a federal courthouse. When Trump send in U.S. Marshals, the CBP, ICE, etc. to guard it, they claimed he was a fascist sending in, you know, secret police. Right now, these states would rather watch their, their own jurisdictions burn than to allow Trump any victories. And you know what that, you know what that says to me? 
we're on the verge of some kind of very serious constitutional crisis with violence being backed by many of these politicians in these cities. Right now, many of these cities and and states are providing some kind of tacit support for the violence by refusing to do anything about it. By refusing to do anything about it, it makes it inherently unsafe for the president. So to Cuomo's credit, yeah, he's right. Trump better have an army in the sense that because they've defunded the police, because murders are on the rise, because they've gotten rid of their plainclothes anti-crime unit, and they, they, they froze the hiring of about a thousand police officers, the streets have become, become particularly unsafe. They made it unsafe. They chose to defund the police. And then Cuomo has the nerve to come out and say, well, you know, Trump better bring an army because uh, it would be a shame if one of these violent murderers romping around through the streets got mad at him. That's your fault, Cuomo. So, 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 so take a look at what we're looking uh, at, what's happening right now. On the ground level, we're going to see clashes in Portland at the end of this, end of this month. It's, it's a guarantee. Right-wing groups are going to clash with left-wing groups. Propaganda is going to be flying. And there's no one on the left or the right that's willing to change their mind, for the most part. We do tend to see more walk away from the left to the right than the other way around. There's very few people who leave the right for the left. But it's still, you know, there, there was a story in Vox the other day. Will anyone really change their mind on Trump? And I think the answer is no. No. You know, early on, um, before all the riots, I was, yeah, I'm not going to vote for Trump. And then things started getting worse. And I was like, I probably will have to vote for him. And now I'm, I'm, I'm definitely voting for him. There are a lot of people, however, on the left that say the exact same things, but believe they're the ones that are correct. The problem, let me tell you something. The people on the left who say the same things like Fox News is lying and Trump supporters are brainwashed. They're not actually following the news. They're following the fake news. And it's, 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 it's a funny thing to say, but they are. Donald Trump will say something and they'll take the most extreme interpretation and they'll spin it through the wash cycle and it'll come out a hundred times worse. Trump is not perfect. He says a lot of dumb things. He made a comment about people voting and then mail-in voting, seeing, what, seeing, seeing how it plays out. It was a really dumb comment to make. But that's not the issue. The issue is we have video of what happened with Kyle Rittenhouse. You watch that video and you're like, wow, it's, it's, it's not so cut and dry. I was having a conversation with, uh, uh, I posted something on Facebook and a woman started saying, how could you defend Rittenhouse? And I laid it out. I made a big post and they said, and then someone sent a video and they watched the video and said, wow, I hadn't considered that. I think the phenomenon of getting the left to leave the left is a lot easier because that's where the, the, the truth is not on the left. So right now you have a lot of people who are NPCs who will, you know, they'll turn on CNN and Brian Stelter will be like, Fox News is fake. Don't watch them. Never watch information outside of my channel. There's no riots. There are no riots in Portland. It's just not happening. There's some violence for sure, but it's not really that bad. And then people believe it. And then we watch the videos and we can see 90 plus days of fires being set. The mayor saying they're trying to kill people, them trying to burn down a residential condo building. I mean, it may be a little hyperbolic to say, but they threw flaming debris into the first floor, which absolutely was an attempt to set fire to the building. They started showing up to residential houses. They're attacking them. The AG in Oregon defended them. They're rejecting Trump. They're resisting law enforcement. They're cutting these people loose. The DA is, is releasing them. And we heard several stories. Like just the other day, I covered this. There was a far leftist who got arrested. They caught him loose. Within a few days, he murdered two people because these people are crazy and because they don't want to deal with it. And you had the guy who the, 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 the alleged murderer in Portland, he was arrested apparently more than once on illegal gun charges. He had tried to take a gun from somebody 
And then and then by pulling on it, it went off and went through his arm. Of course, he tries to frame the story as I was trying to stop a shooter. No, you're just trying to steal a gun from some guy. And that guy goes on to kill somebody. Now Cuomo has the nerve to say this. Look, at, he says it is more of the same from him. It's political. It's gratuitous. It's illegal. But it's another attempt to kill New York City. President Ford said drop dead. President Trump has been actively trying to kill New York City since he's been elected. That's just not true. I think you have Cuomo. I really do. And Bill de Blasio as well. I be- And this is the craziest thing. Bill de Blasio and Cuomo put up put up checkpoints around New York. Two week quarantine if you want to go in there. $10,000 fine for breaking. So there's no tourism. They force all the businesses shut. They're straight up saying we will not allow indoor dining. They're doing it in New Jersey, not in New York. So the businesses that went down will go down forever. And then they turn around and say, Trump, this is Trump's fault. It's like that meme where the guy's riding the bike and he jams the stick in the front tire and flips over. This is Trump's America. Dude, you run New York. All of this murder, the collapse of the New York economy, that's not Trump's fault. That's your fault. You're the one who put sick people into nursing homes. That's why your, your, your death rate from COVID was so high. I wonder if that's the name of the game. Cuomo and de Blasio purposefully sabotage their city and then go, but Trump did this. You know what, man? It might work on some people. It doesn't work on me. Trump runs the federal government. You are responsible for your city and your state. And right now, Cuomo, there are people protesting in upstate New York because a video came out from March of a man being of, of, of a man dying in police custody. I got to be careful about how I, how, 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 about how I reference that, well, you know, what happened because the story is breaking. But apparently there was a guy who was mentally unwell and the police were trying to detain him. They put a spit hood on him and the man lost his life. Now protests are erupting. It really does feel like in combination with the media. Think about it this way. People die all the time and there are people who die in police custody and sometimes it's an accident. This is a very, I mean, look, cops have to deal with unruly and unwell people. And sometimes these things happen. They shouldn't. People should not die ever. And I think it's good that there's scrutiny on many of these circumstances. And we investigate how did someone lose their life? Because we can't have police going around and we can't have people dying. But it's true that sometimes these things will happen. And it's not because someone's got intent to kill. It's because bad things happen. But we do want to review them because while we might not hold the police responsible for the death, we got to hold the system responsible. Meaning if we tell someone, you know, we want you to hold a person down in this way and it's resulting in death, maybe we should change that, figure out other ways to do things. You see what I mean? So we're, we're, we're seeing that. And, and, oh, and OK, but think about what's happening. Is every single instance now going to be major news? It is. But not the other way around. If a black cl- uh, if, if, if a black cop is killed, it's not going to be a huge story. David Dorn was only a huge story because conservatives demanded that people recognize this man and, and his life being taken from him. The left didn't want to prop that story up. They didn't run big headlines and complain about it. So I'll tell you, the media is fanning the flames because they know it incites and enrages many on the far left. It will rile them up and get them traffic and they'll make money. They then go out, burn, loot, murder. And then the governors who refuse to enforce the law and the mayors who refuse to enforce the law blame Trump. Trump then says, "Okay, well, if you won't enforce the law, why are we giving you money? They then strike back and say, you better have an army next time you come here. You see, the rhetoric is getting intense. We've got physical confrontation and escalation. We've got targeted murder in Portland combined with 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 the administrative escalation. 
where the high level politicians are pointing the finger at each other and it is getting dangerous. I believe we're past the counting heads phase. The, sci- this, the, the, the lines have been drawn almost entirely. People will not change their mind. You could tell any, any one of the people you know on the left about what happened with Kyle Rittenhouse. They don't care. They won't believe you. They'll say no. Facebook will ban you for defending him. Even the lawyers for Rittenhouse were, are, get, are getting suspended on Twitter. And Cuomo, you better have an army when you come in. What does that mean? Does that mean that Trump has to come in with the Insurrection Act? I didn't get to it, but maybe, I, maybe I'll have to do another segment on this. Why Trump doesn't just send in the troops. The general idea, imagine if Cuomo, having threatened Trump this way, Trump comes in with the military to try and stop the violence. Now, New York hasn't, New York City hasn't seen the same level of violence as many other places. The looting, you know, chilled out quite a bit. But imagine if Trump went into any one of these jurisdictions with the Insurrection Act, you would have la resistance. They would call it the invasion and that would be the civil war. Trump invoking the, the Insurrection Act, I believe, would ignite a hot, a hot civil war. It would be the shot heard around the world. I believe it may be coming. We'll see how it plays out. Next segment's coming up at 1 p.m. on this channel, and I will see you all then. This is radicalization. A man in Seattle has been arrested by the feds for threatening to blow up Portland police station, and he espouses Antifa beliefs. One of the reasons the media likes to scream, there's no such thing as Antifa, it just means anti-fascist. That way, when lunatics who actually post the flags, the symbols, and avow their, their allegiance to the ideology, they argue he's just a regular guy and Antifa is not responsible for any real terror or violence. There have been instances where individuals have taken other people's lives and they have been Antifa. And there have been instances where individuals have physically harmed other people and they're avowed Antifa as well. And the media likes to lie about this. One of the things they like to do is claim that the right is being radicalized when you actually have the feds having to come in and make dozens of arrests. Now, I think in Portland, probably over a hundred plus arrests to deal with the extremism coming from the left. So I'll ask you a question before we get into all these stories. How many right wing extremists have been arrested recently? Maybe some. There, 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 there are some stories. There's a guy who went online and, and posted threats. Absolutely. He called himself like the Antifa hunter or something. Sure. There are people on the right who have planned things. They've been arrested as well. I'm glad these people are being caught and brought to justice because the truth is radical, radicalization can go any direction. It can be up, down, left, right, whatever. You can become a religious fanatic. You can become a left wing. But what we see in terms of Antifa, the far left, and what's happening in Seattle and Portland is actually affecting governance in a very serious way. Now, this guy being arrested, I think, is an important story. We'll read this from the Post Millennial. But take a look at this story from the Seattle Times. Private security hired by Seattle Parks after police cleared Cal Anderson chased away on first night. Okay, wait, wait. the police were chased away from the Cal Anderson Park. That's where the Chaz was. So they hired a private security firm. Now there's no accountability. What are you going to do? Ask for records, file a lawsuit. This is what they wanted. The police have had to arrest hundreds of people. And in fact, in the George Floyd riots, over 14,000 people. You want to talk to me about the small handful of right wing loonies on the Internet getting arrested? 
You want to talk to me about the extremists who take loaded guns and go into buildings and do these things? I'm down to talk about all of that. Lock those people up all the same. So long as they have committed a crime, you've proven their guilt beyond a reasonable doubt in a court of law. We go through due process. By all means, lock them up. 14,000 arrests so far. And I'm sure it's higher than that because it looks like people stopped counting. It's been going on for months. You want to talk to me about far left radicalization, 14,000 arrests. Is that enough for you? So when you come to my house, and I mean that figuratively and say, Tim won't talk about the right. Well, we had, we had a guy the other day, Antifa Hunter gets, you know, posted dumb things online, gets arrested. I'm like, and is that what, like the 12th guy? How many, how many people are there actually in the far right? You know, the, the extremists, according to the ADL last count, it was like 10,000. And that's if you try and stretch it way out. Antifa, however, has regular people joining their ranks. They normalize it through the press and you end up with dudes like this from the post millennial. A Seattle man who espoused support for Antifa causes has been arrested and federally charged for threatening to blow up a Portland police station with a bomb. Kyle Robert Tornow, 36, is accused of using an online communication system to claim he planted explosives at a Portland police station, according to U.S. attorney Brian Moran in a Department of Justice press release Wednesday. Records filed in the case allege that Tornow used the city of Portland's track IT system, which enables members of the public to create a user account and submit messages to the PPB on July 24th to send the bomb threat. Using the alias Chester Wildwood and his father's phone number, Tornow allegedly wrote, I'm not going to read what he wrote. He, he basically threatened, he, he explicitly threatened to bomb a police station. The Federal Bureau of Investigation was able to trace the communication back to Tornow using the IP address of the online threat. The criminal complaint also details Tornow's alleged social media post in a now deleted Facebook post. Tornow allegedly shared a graphic of the anarchist flag popular with Antifa. The accompanying text read, you must be careful out there and, uh, and follow black leadership. Anarchy does not mean chaos. It means community care and support. And it's the mom straightening the, the, the mask of the, uh, the anarchist guy. In the criminal complaint written by the assigned FBI agent, she wrote, Black bloc anarchist extremists believe the use of violent acts and threats are the only means for of forcing their political and social change on the government and society. The postmillennial investigated a number of Reddit posts by Tornow. He wrote under several aliases. The posts over several years provide a fuller picture of the suspect. Responding to the question, how do you identify politically? In 2015, he said anarchist. Under another burner account in 2016, Tornow responded to a post about wealth inequality. Can we just figure out who these 1% people are and then kill them, he wrote. More recently, Tornow expressed support for Bernie Sanders in a post in March this year. I'd like to ask you, what is radicalization? Because I've talked about it quite a bit. And I'm going to throw it to good old Brian Stelter of CNN. See, Brian, Brian, he, he seems to know what he's talking about, sitting atop his ivory tower, not actually paying attention to what's happening in this country or online, and just making things up and writing books about it. C-SPAN caller confronts Brian Stelter. CNN is the enemy of truth. Stelter conceded that many journalists live in big cities and have liberal leanings. But what happens if you take an uber wealthy individual like Brian Stelter, who's working at CNN, and all he does is complain about Fox News for a living? Well, to a hammer, everything looks like a nail. So of course, Stelter had this to say about a man who said CNN lies. I know you're not the only person that feels this way, Stelter said. There has been a process of radicalization that's happened in this country with media bashing that is absolutely unprecedented. Gee, Brian, have you ever stopped to ask yourself why that is? Now, I've stopped to ask 
why it is so many far leftists are being radicalized. And I believe there are a lot of reasons that have that are legitimately problematic for this country. Case in point, school loan debt. A bunch of dumb kids are told, take out 100K in debt, go to school, no guarantee for a job. What a terrible investment. They get out, they can't find work. They've been indoctrinated in this, in, in this institutionalized learning facility. They're laden with debt. And along comes Bernie Sanders saying, you're suffering. There's no way out of the hole that, you, that, that's been dug around you. They don't t- take responsibility for their own actions, mind you. And he says, you know what? Let's have all those people help dig, you know, shovel dirt in to lift you out of this hole. And they say, okay, there are real problems facing this country. And it leads to online radicalization of the far left. We need to properly educate people to prevent this. The problem is the media class in this country are plugging their ears and going, nah, 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 and blaming the people who are suffering for the problem. Are there conservatives who do the same? Sure, of course, absolutely. But I will tell you this. When I, I, I saw a video earlier, CNN reported it, by the way, people are being evicted because of COVID. And I think we got a serious problem. People did not choose to lose their jobs. How do we solve this? It's not so cut and dry. I don't believe, based on the, the people I follow on the right, that many people on the right are actually saying, whoa, we got to stop this. This is, this is bad. We got to solve this problem. It's like, yes, exactly. The left, however, ignores why people are fed up with the lies. And it's, it's actually kind of ironic here that, that Brian would say this. When he dismisses this man who calls him out, he exemplifies perfectly why people are sick and tired of mainstream media and why they're more willing to go to people online because they don't hear what they're thinking, that no one is saying what needs to be said. Brian just says, quiet down, peasant, and let them eat cake. There's, a, there, there's someone calling in saying, you defamed a child. You are dividing our nation. And I don't believe I don't I don't believe in dividing our nation. It hurts our great nation. And so CNN is really the enemy of truth. That's my opinion. Thank you. And instead of saying something like we need to do better, the media needs to get a better foothold on what's happening. Instead of saying we missed it in 2016 because we weren't talking to regular people, he says you've been radicalized. It's your fault. We can see the news. It's not the regular working class individual saying, how do I feed my kids? who's, Who's sending bomb threats? And for the past five years, have been radicalized on social media. The radicalization on the left, ignored by the press, ignored by the likes of, of Brian Selter, who now has like a number five best-selling book on the USA Today list because he's complaining about Fox News, ignores the real problem facing our country. The left radicalization. Now, like I mentioned, there are real reasons to be upset, but there's no check on this. So right now you see a, you see a video and it says, Unarmed black man killed by cops. Immediately, everybody recoiled in horror, literally everyone saying, wow, we need reform on this one. What did the left say? All right, let's go burn down all the cities. And, you know, now 30 people are dead, 14,000 arrested. Those weren't conservatives doing it, man. A lot of regular people joined in the fun. That's the problem of radicalization on the left. They get a free pass. What did we see from Charlottesville? Yeah, there's radicalization in the other direction, but they are routinely crushed and demonized and then they disappear. Steve King, I mentioned him several times, lost his primary. He's gone. You even dare approach radicalizing on the right and they will end your career. You will, you will be left destitute. They will do everything in their power. And you know why? Because the left and the right agree. Every regular person in this country agrees. Radicalization on the right is bad, 
But it seems like only moderates and right wing individuals think radicalization on the left is bad. The left ignores it and normalizes it. And then they go and burn everything down. Then the police are demoralized. The police are shut down. The police quit and they continue to do so. And then you get the dystopian nightmare. This is what you wanted, isn't it? The police have been defunded and scared. So what's going to happen? Private security comes in. And guess what? Private security doesn't care about your rights or laws. You got to watch these videos, man. Take a high profile individual. I have seen videos of this. Trust me, it happens. Talk to security experts. A cop will try and stop a high profile, wealthy individual. And guess what? Private security will shove that cop back and tell him to F off. They don't care. They get paid hundreds of thousands of dollars. Those cops don't. And those guys know that if they end up getting arrested, they've got some of the best and wealthiest lawyers in the world who will make sure they get out. More importantly, they're loyal to those who they serve and protect. The private security guys will tell the police F off to protect their client. So what do you think comes next when you get rid of the police? The police can and will be held accountable. If a cop does something wrong, then people go after the cop. There's internal affairs. Is it perfect? No. Do we need to do better? Absolutely. The last thing I want to see, though, are private security companies that laugh in your face because you don't know who that guy is. You have no right to their to their records or documents. And they know that they got that their, their clients got their back. Their company has their back. Think about it this way. You got a dude wearing a suit, earpiece, sunglasses, and he's standing with his arms crossed in front of some wealthy dude. And the cops come up and say, get out of our way. And they say, no, do something about it. Or they should ignore the cop and block his path. What's cop going to do? Try to arrest him. Not only is the wealthy client paying the bills, but the company itself is paying the bills and they got good lawyers. Here's a story from Seattle Times. After city crews cleared a a camp of protesters and homeless people from Cal Anderson Park Tuesday, the Seattle Department of Parks and Recreation hired the private security firm Jaguar Security to have a presence in the park overnight and to continue to remind people that the park remains closed. The department spokesperson confirmed in an email Wednesday. Welcome to the privatization of police. It's everything the left asked for, huh? No, of course it isn't. But it's really funny that the leftists who claim, you know, who are more socialist or communist for the most part are actually creating a circumstance where the privatization of police will be normalized. Yeah, wokeness and capitalism are not enemies. They're absolutely not. All these companies love the idea of wokeness. I've mentioned you've heard get woke, go broke. There's also get broke, go woke. Companies seeing their revenue decline make desperate bids for, uh, for wokeness to try and attack, try, to, to try and attract new clientele. There are many people who are woke who are willing to spend money on things simply because it supports, it's, it supports their ideology. Hence, the rainbow flag on every product, whether it makes sense or not. You put out private security, have them wave the special flag, uh, whatever flag, and people are going to be like, yay, and then the private security are going to be like, shut up, unaccountable, unidentifiable private security. And they complain about secret police. This is the world they're creating. And it's because of the media ignoring the problem of radicalization on the far left. And it's because Mark Zuckerberg and Jack Dorsey and Susan Wojcicki or whatever. I don't I don't I don't know how to pronounce her name. That's that's my bad. But it's because they they allow far left radicalization. They allow these people to go on live streams and espouse their racist views. They write books that are best selling books still to this day for months books by avowed racists on the top bestsellers list. 
Is Brian Stouther going to come out and say, we have a very serious problem when avowed racists write books and it becomes bestsellers in this country? No. And that's why people are getting fed up. And that's why they're turning against the media. We all see the story. A guy, a guy sending a bomb threat to a police department. Where's CNN? Oh, they'll talk about it all day and night when the Antifa hunter gets arrested. They'll talk about it all day and night when some right wing dude gets arrested. Yes, and we all agree. But you know what? The Democrats and the left want to wield the power of their extremists. The only problem is the extremists are stronger than them, and they've been crushing the Democratic Party and encroaching upon the policy ideas of them. So what happens when abolish the police becomes mainstream? I'll tell you what's happening right now. There's a game of tug of war. And because the right is willing to police its side, they are getting rid of the people holding the rope at the back end. They're saying, we don't want your support. The left isn't doing the same thing. So guess who's winning the game of tug of war? But the problem is eventually the Democrats become old and feeble, giving in to the extremists. And there you go. So what happens if Joe Biden gets elected? In my opinion, the the rope gets pulled, gets jerked hard to the left. Joe Biden, they say he's a moderate. He goes, do I look like a radical socialist? No, but you look like a guy who just did a pact with Bernie Sanders, whose supporters literally just sent in a bomb threat to a police department. I don't like the idea of people negotiating with extremists. What did Donald Trump say? He said, I am not talking about the white nationalists and the neo-Nazis because they should be condemned totally. And he said that years ago. Did Joe Biden ever say the words Antifa? No, not. I mean, as in recent memory, as it pertains to denouncing the far left violence, absolutely not. He says the violence is bad. We got to denounce violence on both sides that I like. I can respect that. Thank you, Joe, for saying that much. Now, would you consider denouncing the far left? Would you consider denouncing the extremists who are gaining a foothold in your party? Of course not. He wants their vote. He is willing to do whatever it takes to get the vote of those people. Was Trump? No, Trump said they should should be condemned totally. Is Trump perfect? Of course not. Did Trump condemn the Q people? No, he didn't. And to be fair, I think the media definitely over overhypes all of that as if everybody knows exactly what that is. Trump was asked about it and he was like, I don't know, I just know they like me, I guess. And then I think Kaylee, Mc- I can't remember who was asked about it. I, I, I'm not sure if it was McEnany, but uh, somebody was asked. No, like to be, it was Mike Pence. He's like, I don't know anything about it. I don't know who those, you know, what that is. The media is aligned with entertaining or just outright ignoring. Is Brian Stelter a radical far left socialist? Of course not. Is he turning a blind eye to the rising extremism? Yes. Is he hyper focused on the one cable channel that stands opposed to the rest of them? Yeah, isn't that weird? Look, I've criticized Fox News several times. I think their polls are, 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 are garbage. I think most polls are garbage, so it's not really, you know, too much to be said. But I complained, you know, it was like last year I was watching Fox and Friends and they had a whole segment about how uh, evolution wasn't real. And I'm like, what is this? This is ridiculous. And I remember Tucker Carlson did a segment about pot legalization where it came out against it. And I was like, what is, what is Tucker saying? These are weak arguments. I got no problem calling it out when I see it going bad. The Democrats and the media are entertaining the extremists. And this is what you'll get. They mentioned Cal Anderson Park being closed. Late Tuesday night, a group of protesters returned to the park. When three security guards arrived, the group shouted at them to leave and followed them through the part of the park video shows. The guards, concerned for their safety, eventually left the park and do not plan to return, said a man identifying himself as the owner of the security firm. Okay, well, that's good news. I like the idea of security, but I like the idea of policing better. You know what's really funny? It's a left-wing position. I am not for privatized police. I think it's a bad idea. 
I am uh, uh, my, my political views, my economic views lean slightly to the left and they they're not going to change. I do not believe in laissez faire capitalism. I do not believe in privatizing poli- a, a privatized police force. In fact, I would be a fan of a public option competing with the, the private sector uh, uh, with private sector health care, much like we have private security firms competing with the police in a sense. And much like we have FedEx and UPS competing with the post office. I like the idea because ideally, and it doesn't always work out this way, the government program, the government service has a bit of accountability and the the private service is competition for both. So if USPS starts failing, people will choose FedEx and that makes sure the government program at least holds certain standards. It's not perfect. I do think we need to make sure we have better overhaul, uh, better procedures to review what's going on with a lot of these services that the government does provide. However, I, I, I lean slightly away from the government being in the business of providing services, but I am still slightly on the left. So I like the idea of a police force and a fire department. You know why? Neutral arbiters. They're not perfect. You know, there's a big story that's going around about how journalists were getting these, these, these police union cards and how the, the police unions give them to friends and family members. And it gets, it's like a get out of jail free card. It's not really jail. It's like get out of a ticket card. So if you do something that's like a slap on the wrist fine or penalty, like you get pulled over, they let you go. That's a common thing. It absolutely is. Sometimes the cops give you a warning, but a lot of cops, well, this is, this is debated, but there's quotas, man. You're always warned. Don't, 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 you know, be careful driving at the end of the month because them quotas, they'll come and get you. So there, there are real issues, but I'll tell you what, if two people are fighting in the street, the cops are going to break it up and say, back off. What happens if I go out and I got private security guards? They're going to tell you to back off. And you're going to say, I want your name. Who are you? What's your name? They're going to laugh in your face. So the last thing I think we need are private security forces facing off with each other. Could you imagine this? Like two people going out, each got their own private security and then fight breaks out or whatever. It's just the stupidest thing. No, you have one police unit come out. They stop the conflict. They separate everybody. But this is what you get. This is what you get when you have a media class unwilling to confront the problem of left-wing radicalization in this country. You get bomb threats, 14,000 arrests, and a lazy media class that doesn't care to say anything about it. So I will end with one last point. The point I made very early on. How many arrests have we had of right-wing radicals? There's probably a decent amount. We've had over 14,000 arrests from people in the George Floyd riots. Think about that. I'll see you all at 4 p.m. in the next segment over at youtube.com slash timcast. Thanks for hanging out. Over the past several years, there have been probably hundreds of instances of Trump supporters being attacked by unhinged individuals. There's one story I remember where a couple was trying to steal a Trump flag and they brought their kids with them to steal the person's Trump flag. Now, that's insane. But this story right here is a whole new level of absolute psychotic behavior. Woman assaults 12 year old boy in Boulder over Trump yard sign, police say. Now, you may have seen the story about the two women who attacked, I believe the boy was seven years old. Now, that story was a little different, at least my understanding of it, because it, they, they, were, they were attacking a group of people and they stole a hat or a sign and the little boy chased after him. This is a, like a little boy was riding a bike and some older woman attacks him. So when they tell us that unless Joe Biden landslides, there will be more violence, this is what they're talking about. And of course, I'm referencing my main channel segment over at youtube.com slash Timcast. Maybe you've seen it. If not, you can check it out. They said 
that in all of their war game scenarios, these are never Trumpers and Democrats, that the only one that results in peace will be if you give them the power, then they'll finally leave you alone because unhinged individuals like this will go around attacking 12 year olds other unless Joe Biden wins a landslide. Here's the story from the Denver Post. Police are looking for the woman in her 20s or 30s who was riding a moped. Boulder police are investigating a report that a 12-year-old boy was assaulted over a Donald Trump yard sign. According to Boulder police, the assault occurred around 3 p.m. Monday at Folsom Street and Glenwood Drive. Police said the boy was riding his bicycle with the Trump sign when a woman on a moped saw the sign, turned around to confront the boy. Boulder police spokesman Shannon Olibaugh said the suspect drove up to the boy and said something to the effect of you want something to look at and used a closed fist to strike the boy in the back of the head and arms four to five times and scratched him. The boy told police the woman then tried to take the sign before leaving the scene. The suspect was described as a white female in her 20s or 30s wearing a tan jacket, blue shirt and blue jeans. The moped she was riding was gray or blue in color. The case remains under investigation and no arrests or citations have been made this time. Now, let me tell you something first and foremost. I don't believe stories like this. I got to be honest. Come on. You mean to tell me some lady in her 20s or 30s punched a 12 year old boy several times? I don't know, man. I saw that Jussie Smollett thing and I'm not I'm not so sure I'm ready to buy this. So let me just say right now, let me get an arrest. Let me see some evidence. Otherwise, we take it with a grain of salt. But I will tell you, I got a bias. You know why? Because we've seen many left wing hoaxes. Many of these stories, like Jesse Smollett, it's the left claiming we're being attacked. And then it turns out it was fake news. But I've seen videos of Trump supporters getting drinks splashed in their face and getting physically attacked in the street. And I've been on the ground watching the far left beat elderly Trump supporters who provoked no one, who said nothing. I've seen people get egged in the face. I've seen a guy get bashed over the back of the head with a heavy bag. People believe it was carrying rocks. So when you tell me, a woman rode up on her moped and punched a 12-year-old boy several times. I'm sorry. I just, I'm more inclined to believe it. The violence we see in this country on video tends to flow in one direction. How many months of far-left violence have we seen? You know, the Proud Boys and the right-wing groups that go out and confront them, they only do it in response to the left. Then the media comes out and frames it as though it's the right wing causing all the violence. No, the right wing is being provoked in a sense, coming out and refusing to back down. The left are the ones showing up to right wing rallies. So tell me, when was the last time the Proud Boys raided like, I don't know, a Bernie rally, a bunch of people going like, yo, Bernie, and then the Proud Boys showed up and started hitting people. There are several instances where Antifa has done just that. And that's what's going to happen right now. Bill Barr, says that Antifa members are flying around the country instigating riots and calls them the ramrod for violence. And he's right. If Joe Biden wins, you know, maybe it's true. Antifa will stop, stop rioting. I guess if I'm going to concede the point to Joe Biden, I guess that means that Antifa support him. And when he wins, they're happy and they will stop the violence. Wow. Maybe Joe Biden should tell them to knock it off now and maybe they'll listen because they seem to support him, right? At least that's the narrative. They say Bill Barr on Wednesday said the Justice Department was monitoring far left, the far left movement Antifa, saying that it is the heart of violence in cities around the country. I've talked to every police chief in every city where there has been major violence, and they have all identified Antifa as the ramrod for the violence, Barr said in an interview with CNN's Wolf Blitzer. They are flying around the country. We know people who are flying around the country. 
we see some of these purchases that they are making before the rights of weapons to use in these riots, Barr added. So we are following them. And Bill Barr is correct. They talk about Donald Trump's creepy conspiracy when Trump said somebody got on a plane and they saw these thugs and they're like, oh, Trump's so crazy, but it's normal. The far left does fly around the country. That's not unheard of. I've seen them. Many of these people are trust fund kids or they're bored or they just save up money to go join the riots or they drive around. Of course they do it. How is that? How is that considered absurd by anybody? They say in a Fox News interview late Monday, Trump made cryptic claims about armed thugs. He said had boarded an airplane seeking trouble. Ask for details. Trump said, I'll tell you sometime, but it's under investigation right now. On Tuesday, Trump told reporters that it was something told to him by an individual on, on the flight. Trump would not identify the person. Well, of course not. I have a ton of people come to me and talk about problems, and they don't want anyone to know their names because Antifa will go and threaten them too. We just saw a lady go and punch a kid several times. What do you think they'll do to you? Okay, we didn't see the lady do it. I will reserve judgment on that one. I want to see evidence of that happening, but hey, I kind of believe it. Asked a comment. White House spokeswoman Sarah Matthews did not address Trump's specific assertions, but said he was referring to an investigation into possible financial backers of organized riots. The president, seeking re-election on a promise to restore law and order, told Fox News the plane was completely loaded with thugs wearing these dark uniforms, black uniforms with gear and this and that. Yes, most journalists will tell you, oh yeah, I've seen Antifa with helmets and stuff. They wear, you know, black shirts and hoodies and jeans because that's what they wear when they go out and riot. Yeah, and... It's not expensive to fly in a regional flight. You can get regional flights for like 70 bucks, man. He added, here were like seven people on the plane, like this person, and then a lot of people were on the plane to do big damage. Barr on Wednesday also said he thought there was no systemic racism in the U.S. justice system, and that there is a false narrative the country is in, is in an epidemic of unarmed black people being killed by white officers. I think our institutions have been reformed in the past 60 years. And if anything has been built into it, it's a bias toward non-discrimination. Republican Senator Rand Paul of Kentucky has also said he believes people are traveling around the country to instigate violence. It's not about belief. It's a fact. I can confirm. I can confirm. I am a witness. I'd like to testify. I have been on numerous planes. I used to fly around twice a week. They do this. We call them the tourists. They even said in one article, it's like they're tourists. Yes, that's what we've called them for a decade. Like, man, I can't believe I've been doing this job for nine years. But yes, they travel around. It's not expensive to hop in a car and spend like a hundred bucks in gas. You get five people. They all pitch in. It's an uncomfortable ride. They show up in your city and then they riot. Paul on Friday calling the FBI to investigate a crowd of protesters that swarmed him as he departed the White House after listening to Trump accept his party's nomination for reelection. Paul told Fox News Channel, He believes the group chanting his name and pushing against his impromptu police escort was paid to incite a riot. He did not say who he believes financially backed them or offer any evidence for this contention. I believe there are going to be people who were involved with the attack on us and actually were paid to come here and are not from Washington, D.C. and are are, are sort of paid to be anarchists. The FBI needs to investigate, but the only way you can do it is if you have to arrest people. Trump signed the, um, a memo on Wednesday saying threats, uh, saying that threatens to cut federal funding to lawless cities. My administration will not allow federal tax dollars to fund cities that allow, them, allow themselves to deteriorate into lawless zones. He released uh, it was released by the White House. And then Andrew Cuomo said it was illegal. And he said, oh, I, I hope if Trump ever comes to my city, brings an army because otherwise, you know, wink, wink, he won't be safe. That's basically what Cuomo said. You know, Trump fired back. Whatever, whatever. Listen, man. 
We are not making up the violence. Okay. It's not about Trump supporters. It's about anyone who dared defy the far left and leftist orthodoxy. This woman who assaulted the 12 year old boy, the guy who splashed the kids in the face with a drink. I don't think these people are far left radicals in the sense that they're like, you know, waving communist flags. But they are far radical in the sense that the left is becoming radicalized. Okay, so when a woman assaults a 12 year old boy and I see it in the Denver Post, why would I why would I say that's fake? Haven't you seen the video of the kids who are eating and there's like an El Pollo Loco or something? And the guy walks up and grabs the drink and splashes it in their face. People were protesting Chick-fil-A. They're unhinged. 14,000 arrests in the George Floyd riots. We have a serious far left radicalization problem in this country. It is not radical to be a moderate saying like, yeah, you know, we got to secure our borders. That's normal. It is radical to punch a 12 year old boy several times in the back of the head and arms because you wanted to steal his Trump sign or something. How will we deal with this? I don't know, because the media has been overrun by far left radicalization as well, because there has not been a point at which regular people have stood up and said no to this. Now, when Donald Trump won, he didn't win the popular vote. So to many people, they don't see it as a rebuke of their extremism. We'll see how this plays out in November. I'm not confident, however. I felt this way in 2016. I have long since felt that the elections are rigged and they cheat. That's why I didn't care in 2016. I know, whatever. I thought Trump would have won any normal election, but I thought Hillary was going to cheat anyway. Yeah, I think they're going to cheat. Whatever. We'll see how it plays out. I got a couple more segments coming up in just a few minutes. Stick around and I will see you all shortly. It is the scandal to end all political scandals. Nancy Pelosi was caught getting her hair did at a salon in San Francisco and not wearing a mask, mind you, at a time when you are not allowed to receive indoor salon services and you must wear a mask. And Nancy Pelosi should know this, but she's feigning ignorance. She claims I was set up. I had no idea I I had to wear a mask and I wasn't allowed to get my hair did. Well, She is now calling for an apology from the salon for the hair appointment setup. How patently absurd, Nancy. I take great offense to your ridiculous claim. And I assert this. Ignorance of the law is no excuse for breaking it. That's what they say, right? You are a lawmaker. If some dumb kid made a mistake, I can understand giving him a warning. But you're Nancy Pelosi. Shouldn't you be held to a higher standard? And now you want an apology? That is bold, to say the least. I can't understand why people keep electing this woman. That shows you our political system is broken. Sorry, I got to say it. It's true. Most of you probably agree. How could we be in a system where corrupt Pelosi keeps getting elected over and over and over again, where Biden's been in office? He's been in politics for 47 years. At a certain point, we say like, dude, we don't want these people. It's a shame, man. People don't care. It's like, um, imagine a dude keeps coming to your house and stealing from you. And you're like, I don't know, whatever. It doesn't matter to me. Well, come on, man. Tell the guy to stop stealing from you. Nancy Pelosi is extracting resources from this community. She doesn't even know anything about. I mean, come on. You could even argue this. If she actually represented this district, wouldn't she know about what was going on in this district? Well, the salon owner is firing back, saying the whole setup angle is BS. That the dude, Nancy Pelosi booked it through her assistant. And the way salons work is that the guy who did her hair, the person, I think I'm assuming it's a guy. I think it's a guy. He, he rents the chair. 
So he decides to bring her in. Now, apparently through a lawyer, they're claiming, no, no, the salon owner approved it. That seems weird to me. You know why? Because I know people who work in salons. They don't need approval when they rent the chairs. They go into the salon. They do people's hair. They rent the chairs. That's how it works. Well, here's the story. Nancy Pelosi, Speaker of the House, claimed she fell for a setup by a San Francisco salon where she went in for a hair appointment. It was a setup. And I take responsibility for falling for a setup. I think that this salon owes me an apology for setting me up. Classic Darvo. What is what is it? Deny, attack, reverse, victim and offender. No, I I didn't break the rules. It's actually the it, uh, the salon owner uh, set me up. Yeah. For what? Are you kidding me? Some salon owner was like, I'm going to trick Nancy Pelosi into having her assistant schedule a haircut and then have her come in so I can complain about it. Come on, man. That's so dumb. Fox News published security camera footage on Tuesday of Pelosi inside the salon, along with an interview from Erica Kayos, the owner of, of East Salon in San Francisco. San Francisco's coronavirus restrictions on salons and other similar businesses was amended on Tuesday, allowing for hair appointments to be conducted outdoors only. Listen, if Pelosi was set up, why wouldn't she wear a mask? OK, I get it, right? Maybe she did not realize salons were still closed. That's still no excuse. It's your district. Know your own rules. Now, Kaylee McEnany, during a press briefing, just played the video of Pelosi in the salon on loop. I love it. Kaylee always bringing the fireworks to the press show. Pelosi spokesperson Drew Hamill said in a statement on Tuesday that Pelosi made the appointment because she was told by the salon that it could be accommodated within her city's guidelines. But isn't Pelosi the representative who should know the rules? Pelosi can be seen in the short video walking through part of the salon with what appears to be her face mask around her neck rather than covering her face with wet hair. Her spokesperson said on Tuesday that she had her mask off only for a short time while her hair was washed. And Pelosi said Wednesday that she always has a mask. I just had my hair washed. I don't wear a mask when I'm washing my hair. Do you wear a mask when you're washing your hair? She asked a reporter on Wednesday. I take responsibility for trusting the word of the neighborhood salon that I've been to over the over the years many times. And when they said they were able to accommodate people one person at a time and we can set up that time, I trusted that. As it turns out, it was a setup. Kaios, the salon owner, told Fox News that it was a stylist who rents out a chair in the salon who took the appointment with Pelosi and that she can't control what stylists do. Though Kaios said she had prior knowledge of the appointment, USA Today has reached out to Kaios. Republicans seized on Pelosi's visit to labor, label her a hypocrite because she had pushed for adherence to guidelines intended to slow the spread of the coronavirus. Now, I will tell you, I do think it's a bit strange that this woman didn't come out before Pelosi did, th- did this. But I mean, it is what it is. Even even if this lady was like, wow, Pelosi is going to come to my salon. I'm going to publish that video after she does this. You could argue it's a setup, I suppose. They're actually arguing it one step further than that, saying that basically... The, the stylist contacted the owner. The owner approved it. And then Pelosi came in. Why is that? A, how is that an excuse? Isn't it Pelosi's responsibility as a leader in this community to help people adhere to the guidelines? If Pelosi is such a strict adherent to these guidelines, isn't it very important that she tell people what they're supposed to be doing? And therein lies the main point. I don't care that Nancy Pelosi you know, wanted to skirt the rules if she got set up, whatever. A bunch of other politicians have done so as well. What matters now, taking her word for it, is that she doesn't even know what the rules are. Are there any rules at all? Why are they keeping all these businesses locked down when they don't even know what the businesses are supposed to be doing in the first place? Now, listen, it's fair to say a lot of people don't get this. 
Nancy Pelosi is a federal representative. They elect her in the district and send her to D.C. to represent their district to the federal government. So I'm not necessarily surprised she has no idea what's going on in her own district. But it does still look. I, I don't think it's an excuse. All right. I get it. She 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 sets policy at a federal level. Why should why 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 shouldn't she know what her district is doing? If she's going to come to D.C. and talk about how we should be locked down and what we should be doing, shouldn't she know what's happening where she lives? No, but she's going to go to D.C. and try and pass laws about what I'm supposed to do. Man, talk about ridiculous. Well, CBS says that the uh, Kyos has responded. Kyos said she has had her surveillance cameras for five years. I mean, I didn't go in there and turn cameras on as soon as she walked in to set her up. She's been coming in for quite a while. And just to see her come in and especially not wearing the mask, that's what really got to me. But this isn't even political. I mean, she's been coming in there. It's the fact that she actually came in and didn't have a mask on, Kyo said. And I just thought about, you know, my staff and people not being able to work and make money and provide for their families. And if she's in there comfortably without a mask and feeling safe, then why are we shut down? Why am I not able to have clients come in? Kyos also said she doesn't think that she will stay in San Francisco and that she has been getting threats since releasing the footage. The hard part of all this is that I have been in that community for 12 years. And since this happened, I have received nothing but hate text messages, death threats, she said. They're going to burn my hair salon down. My Yelp page is just unbelievable with bad reviews. The stylist who did Pelosi's hair, however, backed Pelosi's claim that it was a setup. Through his lawyer, he actually got a lawyer? This is the stupidest story ever. Hairstylist Jonathan DiNardo said Caius approved the appointment. CBS San Francisco reports Caius also criticized Pelosi during a phone call, according to DiNardo. DiNardo's lawyer said Caius had been violating coronavirus health health orders for months. It appears Ms. Caius is furthering a setup of Speaker Pelosi for her own vain aspirations. Of the many people who criticized Pelosi online was Trump. Crazy Nancy Pelosi is being decimated for having a beauty parlor opened when all others are closed and for not wearing a mask. Despite constantly lecturing everyone else, we will almost certainly take back the House and send Nancy packing, Mr. Trump tweeted Wednesday. Okay, you know what? I got to say, it does seem strange to me that this dude, Donardo, I guess his name is, texted Kayo saying it was going to happen. I mean, she knew it was going to happen. She could have said absolutely not, I guess. She brings up the point she has no control. He rents the seat, but then mentions that they're not paying right now. There's a moratorium on evictions. I don't know what that means. She had to know this was going to happen. And she sat on it, took the footage and then published it. Okay. All right. Let's just say this, Nancy. You were set up. Wow. Ignorance of the law is no excuse for breaking it. What Nancy Pelosi has basically done is the classic confession to the prosecutor. I learned this all too well. Trying to make an excuse for violating the law just means you've confessed. You ever go through this? I had this happen to me once. You see, in Illinois, when you drive under the when you when you're under the age of 21 and you get a couple speeding tickets, they suspend your license. I had no idea. I got pulled over. The cop basically said, did you know your license is suspended? I was like, no, because I had gotten I'd gotten a moving violation. I had mean to contest, but I didn't have the ability to leave my job to go and contest this. So it was actually cheaper to keep working and just pay the ticket. Yeah, unfortunately, that's how the system is rigged against people who are poor. That's why I'm, I'm rather lefty on many issues and why I'm for reform. What ended up happening was when I tried explaining it was an accident. Had I received any notice, I would have absolutely not driven. And they said, oh, so you confess. 
And I got really, really angry. I was like, are you kidding me, man? You send me a notice in the mail. Let me know I did something wrong. Up, up, ignorance of the law is no excuse for breaking it. That's a lesson I learned the hard way. They gave me a slap on the wrist. I ended up not having, it was, it was like I had to pay an extra fine. It was really annoying because that took more days out of work for me. It was, it, it, it wasn't overly expensive. They said, ha you've confessed. Now pay the fine. I didn't, the, the charges were dropped. It was ridiculous and low. It's not like a big deal or anything. The point is, all we see here is that maybe Nancy Pelosi was set up and I'd like to thank her then for confessing to having actually violated COVID ordinance. Bravo. I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up in a few minutes. Stick around and I will see you all shortly. It's an ongoing trend in the polls. Black voters are flipping for Donald Trump. They are saying no to the Democrats. We have had enough. And they are choosing that Donald, choosing Donald Trump to be their president. And because of this, Trump has erased Biden's eight point lead in Pennsylvania as black voters abandon Democrats. I am particularly inspired by this, to be completely honest. I am really inspired by people like Billy Prempe and Kimberly, uh, Kimberly Klasick. These are black conservatives running for office, Kimberly in Baltimore and Billy in New Jersey, because for the longest time you are told you must be a part of this party. And I don't, I don't just mean the black vote. I mean many different communities. That's why I'm also inspired by the likes of Brandon Strzok, individuals saying enough. If I believe in something, I'm going to vote for it. You can't tell me that because of my identity, I have to vote for you. Now, I might not agree with every one of their policy positions, but I am inspired by individuals who will stand up for what they believe in in the face of threats and insults. What really bothers me about the attacks on marginalized community Republicans is that the left keeps saying that, you know, white people need to lift up marginalized voices. Well, certainly they have Candace Owens, Kimberly Klasick, Brandon Strzok, Blair White, for instance. So what does the left do? Insults, berates and attacks them. That to me is extremely offensive. You asked them to stand up. You told them to stand up and speak out. And then when they did, you spat on on these people. That is disgusting. So if anybody's going to stand up in the face of this adversity, they have my respect. Washington Examiner says former Vice President Joe Biden, who calls himself a kid from Scranton, has lost his wide lead over President Trump in his native Pennsylvania, where the 2020 presidential race is a dead heat. The latest Rasmussen poll reports poll showed that both are tied at 46 percent and significantly said the polls analysis among 82 percent of voters who said that they are certain how they will vote. Trump holds a 51 to 49 percent advantage. Rasmussen is the second poll in two days to show the race in Pennsylvania. A key battleground state has become a tie. The Monmouth University poll said Wednesday that Biden had a lead of one to three points. Just two weeks ago, Biden had an eight point lead in the state. Trump's surprise 2016 victory came after he upset Hillary Rodham Clinton in traditionally Democratic states, including Pennsylvania, which both Trump and Vice President Mike Pence have campaigned in. It also confirmed another trend that is hurting Biden black voters who Biden is depending on are not enthusiastic about his candidacy. Despite having Senator Kamala Harris on the ticket, Rasmussen found that just 67 percent of black people in Pennsylvania support Biden, while 27 percent back Trump. Joe Biden put out an ad in it. He said something like, you know, black people wake up every day knowing that they face adversity from the police or that this could, you know, they, they could lose their lives. And I said, I I tweeted this out. One of the reasons is quite literally Kamala Harris. It's funny that they would choose to bring her on. Joe Biden has said horrifyingly racist things over his years and even recently. 
And Kamala Harris laughed about locking up marginalized and low income people. So it's no surprise then that many people are running to Trump. See, not all of these voters are probably diehard Trump supporters. Many of them are probably just like, whoa, Kamala, no way. Dude, she was locking up people for pot. She's nuts. Now, Biden apparently wants to like decriminalize pot or whatever. Yeah, right. Get out of here, Biden. Trump should do it, though. I don't take Biden's word for it. The analysis said worrisome for the former vice president is is his 67 percent black support low for a Democrat with the incumbent earning 27 percent of the black vote in Pennsylvania. Trump leads among whites and other minority voters. In a second survey released by Rasmussen, Trump has a 50 percent approval rating. The Rasmussen poll is key because it includes only likely voters and uses a ratio of Democrats to Republicans that is more in line with national voting patterns. I can respect that. Here's the warning to all of you. This is not your typical election. There will be chaos in the mail-in vote. And there are going to be a lot of people who don't normally vote who are voting. I'm not entirely convinced young people will get out to vote. The Democrats keep trying to get youth voters. They do it all the time. Rock the vote. Woo. I once volunteered for an organization. I worked for a nonprofit that fundraised for environmental causes and other issues, progressive issues. And they asked me if I would like to register voters. And I said, sounds good to me. And because of this, I got a backstage pass to hang out with Death Cab for Cutie, one of my favorite bands. It was awesome. And all I had to do was walk around asking people who were there if they registered to vote and help them register to vote. It was actually really cool. I still support the effort. I don't care what your political leanings are. I think everybody should should have a right. Everyone has a right to vote. Everybody should vote, whether you're progressive, Democrat, far left. I don't care if you're a communist. Okay, you have a right to vote. I don't care about what your politics are so long as you stand up and support them. And as much as I might disagree with the more extremist elements of the, of the left and the right, in this country, we have civil rights, and that includes voting. So I went out and I made sure people had the right to vote. And now we can see that likely voters, well, they're supporting Trump. But will we see a surge in youth voters? I don't think so. Even if you get them to register, even if they're saying they're committed, I do not believe they will be. I'm sorry. I just don't see it. When it came to Bernie Sanders, did the youth vote come out? No, they didn't. But there is other other strategies afoot, notably, notably mail-in voting. And now one of the dumbest things I've ever seen Donald Trump post. I'm sorry. I, I don't know what to tell you, man. The only thing I can say is welcome to chaos. Take a look at this. Donald Trump. Based on the massive number of unsolicited and solicited ballots that will be sent to potential voters for the upcoming 2020 election, and in order for you to make sure your vote counts and is counted, sign and mail in your ballot as early as possible. On election day or early voting, go to your polling place to see whether or not your mail-in vote has been tabulated, counted. If it has, you will not be able to vote, and the mail-in system worked properly. If it has not been counted, vote, which is a citizen's right to do. If your mail-in ballot arrives after you vote, which it should not, that ballot will not be used or counted in that your vote has already been cast and tabulated. You are now assured that your precious vote has been counted. It hasn't been lost, thrown out, or in any way destroyed. God bless America. Okay, no, 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 wait, wait, what are you doing, Trump? Just go vote in person. Now, a lot of people on the left are screaming, Trump is illegally telling people to vote twice. I don't know. I'm not a lawyer. Bill Barr was asked about it. And this does look like a really tactless way to tell people to ensure their vote is being counted. This will be absolute fuel for the far left when they say Donald Trump is trying to cheat the election. I'm sorry, it's just true. 
I plan on voting for the guy because I think the far left and the and the Democrats have lost their minds. But this was just an just <laughs> Trump is not a perfect man. Uh huh. And I've said this over and over again. I have my issues with the things he says and does. Perhaps the best thing to say to people is just vote in person if you want to be sure. Now, I don't know if what he said is actually illegal. And let me, let me break this down for you. If he's saying vote and just make sure your vote was counted, that's I don't think that's illegal. If he's saying they didn't count your vote, so make sure you do vote. I don't think that's illegal either. I would never encourage people to do this because what happens if you vote by mail? They didn't get it yet. Then you vote in person and now you have two ballots being counted. I don't know. The left is look. Whenever Trump says something and the left comes out and screams, it always ends up like a day later that it turns out Trump was right about something. So it may be the case that you can't vote twice, meaning that if your mail-in ballot comes in, let's say, I'll put it this way. I, I think what he's saying, and he says, if your mail-in ballot arrives after you vote, which it should not, the ballot will not be used or counted. So it sounds like what he's saying is if you mail in your ballot, then you go vote, then your ballot arrives, they'll be like, ah, this person voted already and throw it in the trash, Right. If that's the case, then it seems like there shouldn't really be an issue. The bigger issue with voting twice that I think the left is missing is when people vote in different areas twice. You know what I mean? Still, don't vote twice. I'm pretty sure that's a crime. So I don't know. I don't know enough about the law, but let me just tell you something. I don't trust mail-in voting. I, I don't. I'm not going to do it. Although New, New Jersey is mandating mail-in ballots. You know what that means? I am going to get a bunch of ballots to my house for people who don't live here. And those people will likely get mail-in ballots where they live as well. What are we supposed to do with this? I don't want it. I do not want it. What should I do? I didn't ask for it. I don't want it. Do I throw it away? I don't know if I can. So I got this mail-in ballot sitting over because I have no idea what to do with it. I don't, I don't think I can take and get rid of it. I have no idea. I guess contact the, 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 the previous tenant who belongs to. Look, in these swing states, the polls are doing wonderfully for Trump. He has improved his standing tremendously. But this this stuff, you know, look, Trump shouldn't have posted this on Facebook. And and the other things that's coming up for mail-in voting, I just think the whole thing's broken. This post from Trump said to me one thing. The only thing guaranteed is that there are no guarantees. There will be chaos and bedlam on election night. I think it's very likely that you are going to hear Trump won and Biden won. The courts are likely not going to want to get involved. The military is not going to want to get involved and you will have two presidents. No joke. That's what I see happening right now. Now, do I know for sure? I don't. But I don't know, man. I don't want Biden to win. I don't want the Democrats to win. And I'll tell you, it's mostly because of the cult of, inter- cult of intersectionality. I would rather have Donald Trump and all of his silly posts and stupid tweets than people who are supporting far left extremists who are overtly racist and are avowed racists. One of the best-selling books right now on Amazon, it was number one for a while, is written by a woman who says she is an avowed racist, and that's what the left has embraced. I have to resist that. I have no choice. Considering my family, I'm not backing down on that. I won't compromise with them. I'll leave it there. Next segment will be tomorrow at 10 a.m. Thanks for hanging out, and I will see you all next time.